I guess we should do this thing, huh? Fuck yeah, let's do this. All right. Six of Tip to Tip with Lou and Chris. My name's Lou. My name is Chris. That's Chris. <laughs> I don't know if uh, we've made that clear in previous episodes, but you're Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, starting off with a bang on this one. Oh, man. Um, as we discussed at the end of last episode, today we're talking about uh, the job I had at PCA. Now, at the end of last episode, I was unsure if that's what it was called. I think I was vague, like, I think it was called PCA. I actually reached out to my dad, and uh, in a minute it'll become clear why he would know. But, uh, yeah, Packaging Corporation of America is what nice. it stood for. And uh, apparently, so my dad was an engineer working at PCA, and it was owned by a larger company called Tenneco which I guess is like one of these big owns a bunch of companies type companies, like a fortune, whatever. Um, and so when I got the job, I just knew it as PCA because I think it said PCA real big on the outside of the warehouse that we <laughs> drive by. Now, I, you've definitely driven by this building, but I don't know if you've ever noticed it. Um, so like I said last episode, I main reason I quit Ridge, I, I got a little burnt out on it, you know, just doing the same shit and then kind of just wanted to change a pace, but mainly it was money. And my dad had basically said, you know, Hey, if you want, I could probably get you an interview at, as a, as a warehouse worker at this place. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. So, and he basically said like, yeah, they'll pay you better than minimum wage. I was like, okay. So, I don't remember the interview. I remember I, you know, put on a fucking button-down shirt or a polo shirt or something and tucked that shit in. But I had my interview. I got hired. Um, I He claims, and this is, again, so he, he sent me a, a short email after I asked about the name of the company. He claims that I would have been part of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers Union. <laughs> yeah. Which sounds kind of prestigious. I have no memory of that. I have no memory of, like, paying union dues or doing anything to get into the union. And in a later job we'll talk about, I actually have experience with joining a union and going through kind of the process. So I do remember there, there, in that other instance, there was a whole rigmarole about getting signed up with the union. I don't remember anything like that. So I'm wondering if maybe I didn't pass the probationary period which would have required me to join the union and thusly mm. I never actually joined it. That's that's my feeling. Yeah. But I don't know for sure. I really don't remember that. But it was a a warehouse. My dad was an engineer for the company, so he designed pie pans. So like pie plate pie pans or salad plates, the kind of things like if you go to Wendy's and you order a salad and it comes in a plastic container that has like a a, a top that kind of clips into place. It was that kind of shit. He, he designed that kind of stuff on CAD, like on computers and stuff. And then the warehouse would make these fucking things in bulk. And they had machine, like big ass machines, these presses. That what would, materials? Some like sort plastic? of plastic. Yeah, like a plastic of some kind. I don't know the actual chemical makeup of what it was, but yeah, it was some sort of a plastic. <laughs> uh, the warehouse, so I didn't really even know... I, I knew almost less than that when I got the job. Like, I knew my dad designed these things. Occasionally, he'd bring home, like, uh, schematics. And it sort of looked like like blueprints, but instead of something cool like a, like a office building or a house or, you know, something like that, it was a fucking pie pan. <laughs> it was essentially like a circle with a smaller circle and some notches. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Right. And I'm sure the engineering that went behind designing these things so that A, they would they would function correctly, B, they would be cheap, and C, they would be able to stack. I remember the fact that they were stackable in this certain way was very important. But beyond that, it wasn't... I didn't find it particularly interesting. Um, anyway... 
How did your dad end up there? <sighs> it's like, a long how does, story. How does one begin designing fucking takeout? <laughs> it's shit? a long story that I don't know. I, I he's he's explained it to me before, and I forgot most of the important details. Probably like you know eight years ago or something we talked about all this because i was curious and then as i've gotten older my brain just stopped retaining anything that i didn't learn before the age of 15 apparently (laughs) which is unfortunate for my relationship because my wife thinks i'm an idiot because i'm forgetting things she said you know two weeks ago but i remember names of fucking people from junior high that i never even had a conversation with it's fucked up the brain's fucked up that's all i'm saying i agree yeah, but so the warehouse was, uh, it was one of those places that ran 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There was always a shift going. And the shifts were 12-hour shifts, and they were broken up into three days on, four days off, four days on, three days off. So like a two-week rotating schedule. I don't know if you've ever heard of that or seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. So I had never, I didn't know what the fuck it was, but I was like, well, that's cool. I get four days off in a row, and then three days off in a row, and that, that'll be kind of nice. Not really thinking too hard about working fucking four days in a row, 12 hours a day. So essentially for four days, you're done because you wake up and go to work and then you get home and that's 14 hours of your day done right there. (laughs) Um, And God damn those days drag. But the (laughs) the job itself, the one that I, I that I was doing, I got hired to essentially take bundles of pie pans or salad plastics or whatever they were coming out of the machine and essentially i'd take a chunk of these things put them in a bag uh use a machine to like tape the bag put four of these bags in a box and then close the box and then put the box in a pallet and then put like 12 boxes on a pallet and then a forklift driver would come and get that pallet and put a new blank pallet down and then just repeat that for 12 hours holy shit Um, yeah it was mind-numbing and the mechanics of the actual so the machines were fucking huge it was one of those places where you know you wear earplugs and safety goggles and the fucking smells are all weird and like kind of chemically and and foreign and just not like i'd get a headache pretty quickly and then you can't hear anything because it's so fucking loud even with the earplugs in it's just this constant droning noise of of like that kind of thing um yeah it was it was pretty I quickly realized it was not for me, probably within half an hour, oh, but man. but I, I, I stuck it out as long as I could, essentially. But so you'd, you'd essentially stand in front of this fucking huge machine and there'd be kind of think of a, like, not a conveyor belt because there was nothing moving, but essentially like a, a, tr- a, a long tray and the, the, products whatever it was let's say salad bowls they would come out essentially the machine would press one and press another one and press another one and they'd like stack up behind each other so when they'd come out they'd come out already in a stack but it would be, it was like one long unending stack and it would just keep on feeding these out so you'd essentially if i just stood there and did nothing it would eventually i'd have like a four foot stack of these salad bowls and they're on it's on its side you know they come out sideways so they're sort of sliding down this little um tray area in front of me and at a certain point they'll just start falling off the end onto the ground if you didn't like grab them and put them into the bags and tape them and it would spray this kind of uh this chemical every it would approximate every 25 let's say of these salad bowls it would spray this spray on the salad bowls and then as it came towards me there would be a black light near where i was and as it came through there'd be a glowing little area so i could identify where that 25th or whatever the number was, salad bowl was, and then that's where I would grab. And so I, it was essentially you're trying to get like 25, 25, 25 at a time. And again, I'm just pulling a number out of my ass because it could have been 12 and it could have been 14. And I, I can't remember right. the number, <laughs> but it was something like that. And I think it was different for every type of pan that was coming out. So there, each machine made different stuff, but it was all the same kind of stuff. So you'd stand there and like wait till enough of these came out that it gave you the little spray you could see, and then you'd grab that amount and put it in the... And it was pretty quick. It wasn't like one, two, three, oh, 25. It was like grab it, put it in the bag, tape it off, put it in the box, come back, and there's already another one right there. And yeah. if you like struggle with taping it, you come back and it's like more than... You know, like you can get backed up really easily. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, they'll start to fucking... 
overwhelm you if you're slow. And on top of that, if you if there's damaged ones, which would happen a lot, like there'd be a damaged one in the middle, you'd have to pull those out and then account for them. So like if there's a fucked up one, I'd take it out and then I'd have to like have an extra one to make it 25. So you got pretty good at like eyeballing counting two 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 four six eight ten like that kind of thing, just yeah. seeing how many you had. But you had gloves, but you couldn't really like separate the pie pans in with the gloves on. So you'd want to like not wear the gloves. But these things were fucking sharp. The plastic was like fresh, and you would I'd cut my fucking fingers on these things like all the time. I just have these like paper cuts all over the tips of my fingers from like trying to grab them, and it was moving the whole time. So as you're trying to grab it, it's slowly ticking forward millimeter at a time. It, it was you've you ever seen that uh loose the I love Lucy episode with the fucking chocolates on the conveyor belt coming out <laughs> yeah it was definitely uh echoes of that it was that but not funny and not chocolate <laughs> and not tasty <laughs> definitely not tasty you could not shove them in your mouth and look around hope nobody saw so yeah the job itself was not up my alley i, I knew right away that the actual job was going to drive me slowly crazy uh especially my standards were i don't want to say high but i didn't know i didn't i wasn't sure what depths i would sink to in order to make a buck at that point i've done shit that's probably worse after this but at the time i was like fuck this beyond that the type of people that were working there were a not my type of people but beyond that i, I remember so 12 hour shifts you're going to take a couple of breaks and a, and a lunch. I feel like you only we only got one lunch somehow. Because I feel like at 12 hours we should have gotten more, but maybe the labor laws were different. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I don't really know. But I know, I remember midway through the day you'd get a lunch break, and I remember there was a couple of times where, and everyone would take breaks at the same time. So there'd be like a fucking horn, and then everything would stop, and then you'd go with everybody to take breaks. So I found myself, and the break room was essentially this little... It was like a little building, like a little shack in the middle of the warehouse. So you'd get go into another room, and it was like had fucking fluorescent lights and a fridge and tables. But it was almost like a miniature lunchroom at school. Yeah. And the people who worked there were were like, they're all older than me. It's probably like between ages of like twenty five and seventy, you know, that kind of shit. Yeah. There was a lot of. Uh, it was very like, kind of gross people talking about gross things a lot of very uneducated people uh, a lot of conversations that were kind of gross to listen to uh, really misogynistic really racist there was uh, as far as like the ethnic diversity it was mostly either black people or uh, latino people it was like hispanics and black people and then like a couple of white people mixed in but it was we were definitely the minority in that environment and mostly men yeah, it was mostly men, but there were there were definitely women. I remember there was a group of like four women. Uh, there was it was all it was these four black women that were just like spend the whole lunch period like bitching and yelling and swearing at each other and loudly telling stories about just it was unpleasant to listen to. You know, like they were obviously unhappy and they you know found themselves in this situation. They're probably in their like forties or fifties, working at this fucking place and just they were unhappy to be there and you could tell. Just you know, fucking negative. Just everybody all there was just unhappy to be there, and you could tell. And so the conversations, the people's attitudes. I didn't actually talk to anybody there. I think I gave like a "what's up" nod here and there. In fact, I did give, I did give at least one "what's up" nod on a regular basis, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But <laughs> yeah, there was like nobody there that was that I could relate to, and most of the people who were loudest were the most unpleasant to listen to. You know. So I was like, fuck, this environment's just so... I, I went from a fun environment with, like, teenagers, you know, at the theater and fucking around and flirting with girls and kind of carefree environment to this fucking oppressive, depressing, like, this is where you go to die kind of a situation. Like, this is a version of hell for people, and they're, they're just stuck here in this, like, loop, this time loop. Uh, yeah, it was really kind of soul-crushing. But... Uh, other than that, the the machines would break down. So, real quick, actually, before I get into that, so I was making uh, I was making seven bucks and change an hour. I don't remember what the change was. It was some weird amount, 
like not a even number, but yeah. it was between seven and eight bucks an hour, which you know I was making four twenty five at the theater, so it was at least three dollars uh, raise from that, which at that moment was like, oh man, that's like almost half of what I make. You know, it's like all, it's more rich. than half of what I was making as minimum wage, so I almost doubled my income. Now looking at it, it's hilarious. The difference between four twenty five and seven fifty is fucking negligible in in my brain now. It's like hilarious. I can't imagine what somebody who's a CEO of a company, you know, makes like eight thousand dollars an hour if they do the math, <laughs> you know, and you're looking at fucking four twenty five to seven fifty. Um, yeah, it's disgusting. It's That's disgusting. huge for like the little people though, like for us. Yeah, but fucking, I don't know. The disparity of in- the disparity of income is is very crazy. Like it's not, uh, you know. I have like on one hand, I feel very strongly about I kind of have a libertarian attitude about about a lot of this, and you know, I like the free market, and I think people should get paid what they deserve in terms of like what they're worth, mm. and. I wasn't worth anything back then, you know? So just because maybe as a human being, I deserve a living wage or whatever, but my output is not worth, you know, as much as somebody who actually has a skill and is contributing. Even if the skill is just making money for a a corporation or for fucking shareholders or something, like that skill is something I didn't have. I don't have that skill now, so nothing's changed. But yeah, it's fucking crazy how... 425 to 750 was like nice (laughs) fucking ridiculous but anyway um yeah it wasn't it wasn't that much and it certainly wasn't going to be enough to really pay rent in a real way but i didn't know that at the time i thought okay i could probably figure this out i'm 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 crafty well shit what the fuck was rent for like a one bedroom or a two bedroom in 1993 four it would have been 94 um when we were looking at places, like apartment complexes, rent for like a one-bedroom apartment would have been six hundred bucks a month, you know, six or seven ish. So yeah, I don't. I, I mean, in my brain, I'm like, oh, I could probably afford half of that, you know, like me and another person, you know, share a room or one of us gets the living room, something like that. Yeah. I didn't have aspirations of having a two-bedroom apartment with somebody in a similar financial situation as me, but <laughs> right. And you know what's funny? When I was a kid, my mom, like I mentioned on a previous episode, was a graduate student at UCI in Irvine. And we had a two-bedroom apartment. Me and my sister shared a room, and then my mom had the other room. And we had, you know, it was like a big place, but it wasn't horribly small. I don't remember feeling anything about it in terms of like, oh, we live in a shithole. I remember thinking like, yeah, we've got it. This is our apartment, you know? And I hated sharing a room with my sister, but whatever. I one time I asked my mom what she was paying for rent back then, and because she was getting a discount as a, like, she was a student teacher, so not only was she going to school there, but she was also teaching classes, she was paying 250 bucks a month for that apartment. Now, granted, this is 1987 or 86 or whatever, but still, I'm like, holy fuck. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) It's just such a crazy thought to pay for your fucking apartment, 250 a month. Um, yeah, I don't know what a normal price for that apartment would have been without all her discounts, but it you probably should find wasn't. out what that would be now. I mean, that apartment's gone; it got tore down, so it's not it doesn't exist. And I, the places that they're building in that area are all bigger and nicer, and yeah, like. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll talk about more of that later as as these jobs move for, further further, and I start paying actual rent and stuff. You know, yeah. it'll that'll become so, sort of a thing. But I will tell you this. Not too many years after this point, me and my girlfriend at the time had a one-bedroom apartment in a very, very nice uh, neighborhood, and we were paying seven fifty a month. It's probably two or three years after this, mm-hmm. so you know it's not like like now I I can't I can't take a shit for seven fifty a month. I can't. You can't get a cardboard box where I live for seven fifty a month. Like the cheapest you could get out here is a thousand dollars a month for a studio apartment, and or you can live in like the really really bad bad neighborhood where you, your roommates are roaches. But anyway, I digress. Um, so yeah, I remember the the machines would break down occasionally, 
so you're 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 doing your thing, and then all of a sudden a bunch of fucked up ones start coming out, and then the thing like smokes and makes weird noises and then stops. <laughs> um, and you'd get a supervisor, and then they would. Uh, the way it was supposed to work is they would send you off to help another person on their machine, so you could kind of double team one machine, get on either side of the little thing, and scoop out pie pans or whatever, alternating. Mostly what happened was the supervisor would be like, yeah, go go help on on a machine over there. He just he'd want to get rid of you. He just want to not look at you while he tried to figure out, you know, who who needed to come fix this fucking thing. Yeah. And so I would just wander around and it was a big fucking warehouse. So there's like all these machines and all these huge fucking, you know, like forklifts and stuff and towering pallets of like shelves of pallets, you know, probably 100 feet tall you know like like the ceiling was really fucking high like if you yeah. fell from this from hanging from the ceiling you would certainly die it was a big like cavernous warehouse it was like a costco like if you, when you're standing in a costco it was kind of that environment but full of machines and and stuff and there was all these like nooks and crannies and i figured out that i could go down this sort of these aisles over this way and then i'd climb up the fucking shelves like two or three up and then i could go behind a pallet and there was like a little area you could just chill so i would go there, there and i'd fucking fall asleep because i you know <laughs> i was tired as shit I, I at the time i i mean up until about probably four or five years ago i had horrible insomnia where i would stay up till two in the morning no matter what time i woke up no matter how tired i was i couldn't fall asleep and eventually i would like two in the morning and then if i woke up at four in the morning or five in the morning to get to work by six i'm only going on three hours of sleep and then this is my fourth day in a row of that routine i would climb up this fucking shelf you know probably 20 feet in the air behind some pallets and i'd fall asleep and then i'd wake up whenever i woke up because i didn't have an alarm and I never got fucking called out for it. Occasionally, I would come out from one of those naps, and I'd go back to the machine, and it would be sitting there, ready to go, and I would just like, walk up and like push the start button and start pie panning again. <laughs> and no one ever was like, where were you for the last two hours? <laughs> Do you know how long you would sleep? I mean, the longest would probably be like three or four hours. Get the fuck a lo- out of a, here, dude. A ridiculous amount of time. I didn't it's start like out like that. You know, like the first time I did it, I I start out like wandering around. I just wander around, kind of pretend like I was on my way somewhere, but I would walk for 20 minutes just trying to kill time, and then eventually I'd go back to the machine and it'd be ready to go. And sometimes I go back to the machine after 45 minutes and they'd still be working on it or nobody would have even come to start working on it. Yeah. So I just walk around more. And then one time I was like, I've been walking around for literally two and a half hours today and doing nothing and that machine's still broken. So the next time it broke, I said, fuck that. And I started trying to find places to hide where I didn't have to walk around. And then eventually I found this fucking spot. And then, you know, 15 minute chill session behind the pallet turned into, you know, however long I slept. And I definitely did it a good amount of times. Um, Yeah. I mean, a couple times a week at least. No one ever said shit to me. What's that fucking Dane Cook movie where he's working in like the Costco? Employee of the month. Yeah. Dude, you totally did that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and this is many years before that. It's so funny. I, it, it sucks because I didn't have, like, any buddies there. You know, it would have been a cool job if I had buddies there. What was... Okay, so... It wouldn't have been a cool job, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but other than break time, was there any social interaction? No. At First all? of all, you couldn't talk. You couldn't... There was no way to, like, physically have a conversation in that room. It was so loud. But... Yeah, there was no... I didn't talk to anybody there. I don't think I told anybody there my name. Like, I did not interact with people. I'd go to the break room, and I'd find a corner, and I'd move a chair to the corner so I'd be out of the way so I wouldn't, like, have to interact with most of the people there. And I'd eat my fucking sandwich or my bag of chips or whatever in the corner and just fucking... And this is before everybody had headphones and portable music players and shit. Like, I didn't even have music at that job. i just fucking sit in the corner and fucking wait you know count the minutes like time stood fucking still at that job <laughs> it was brutal <laughs> unless you were sleeping behind pallets <laughs> exactly and then uh, there was definitely some uh, some moments where i i was like i wish i could just sleep all day back here and come out but i knew i knew i was pressing my luck every time and i was honestly i was like i kind of hope somebody catches me i want to see what they'll do and it's <laughs> funny because no part of me gave a fuck if i reflected badly on my dad in terms of like oh he helped get me the job i didn't care at all like 
he and I did not have the kind of relationship where I was super worried about hurting his reputation. It was nice of him to, to get me the in, but it wasn't like he got me the job. He essentially told me the right person to go to to get an interview. Um, now, granted, maybe, I don't know, behind the scenes, maybe he pulled some strings of some sort, but it was not a prestigious fucking job. So if that's the case, what a waste of his fucking time. And also, I had a pretty fucking ridiculously lame childhood for big chunks, largely due to him and my mom. So I'm not feeling that bad about if I reflected badly on him in those moments. I don't, looking back on it now, I don't care. It's not important to me one way or the other, but it certainly wasn't important to me then. Um... How long did you work there then, officially? So, I worked there, I would say, a month tops. Not that long. Probably about a month. I started, well, we'll get into, we'll get into my quitting process. Uh, it's debatable whether or not I got fired. I think I probably got fired, but, well, you can tell me. You can, you can rule on it, Judge Chris. Um, but before I get into that... <laughs> Before I get into that, um, there was no dress code at this place, unsurprisingly. In fact, I don't really remember there being any dress code in terms of, like, you had to wear steel-toed boots or anything like that. I feel like no one ever said anything, but I think I started off wearing a t-shirt and jeans and then slowly got to, like, the wife-beater and jeans stage. But there was some people there that that took advantage, (laughs) that wore completely inappropriate clothes for a work environment. And there was one guy in particular who, he worked the opposite shift as me. So as I was leaving at, you know, 6 p.m., he was coming in to take over. You know, his crew was taking over the machines from my crew. So I'd see him every day. He's a, like a skinny little black guy. He's probably like 5'5", like very, like wiry, you know, muscly, but small, no mass, just all, like no fat, just all like ripped. Sure. And he would wear, you know, his fucking shirt with the sleeves rolled up and everything. And he had fucking, like, his hair braided. Kind of looked like, probably fancied himself a bit of a, a ladies' man. You know, one of those dudes. <laughs> um, but my favorite thing about him was he wore the same shirt every shift. It was like his work shirt. And what it was, it was a t-shirt. And screen printed on the front of the shirt was a dude eating a woman's pussy. Like, a graphic, like like legs spread open pussy spread open dude's face like jammed in the pussy you could just see like a little hint of pink off the side of his cheek you know it was like the most graphic shirt i've ever seen and underneath this image in real big bold letters it said power breakfast (laughs) and he wore the shirt every day it was his work shirt it was like he had multiple of the same shirt I don't remember looking. I mean, it wasn't clean looking. You know, it I was mean, like you one of those shirts at that, that shit every time you saw it. It was. Oh, I loved it. The guy was my hero. But it, I, I remember how the shirt. Old did the guy looked too. He looked like he was probably thirty-seven. That's well, approximate. He, <laughs> yeah, he, he looked thirty-seven. Okay. He didn't look forty. He didn't look twenty-nine. He looked somewhere in his thirties, closing in on forty. Now again, this is a twenty-year-old memory or whatever, but. He looked, he looked the right age to be wearing that shirt uh, confidently. I, it was it was crazy. The first time I saw it, you know, we're passing each other, like him going one way, me going the other. And I, like, noticed, like, something looked weird about that shirt. But I didn't want to go back. So I'm like, okay, I'll make a mental note. And then the next day, and it was like maybe my third or fourth day that I noticed this guy. The next day, I'm like looking for him. Like, where's my fucking dude? There he is. And now <laughs> I know he's coming. I'm looking at the shirt. And I'm like, it's the same fucking shirt. And it's got this fucking image. And I'm like, holy shit. It's like a porno mag walking towards me right now. It was, and this is, again, before the internet. So porn wasn't something you saw. Like, I see porn every day now. Even if <laughs> it's accidental. I just come across it, you know, in my daily routine. I, I follow people on Twitter who post naked pictures of themselves. You know, it's not, it's not weird for me to see naked people in my life, but then it was noteworthy. <laughs> and was the image wor- animated? No, it was like a screen print. It was like someone had taken a like picture out of a magazine or off of a movie and screen printed on the shirt. It was live action, full color. It looked vaguely seventies or eighties. You know, probably eighties. Like, <laughs> no like, come dodging. <laughs> no come dodging it was uh it was hardcore and 
like every time I'd leave work, it was like the highlight of my day. And then it got to the point where I'd pass the dude and we'd give each other the, other the what's up nod, you know, because he saw me and he, I think he knew I appreciated the shirt and it was probably why he wore it because he's like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, look at this. Like, I'm wearing this to work. <laughs> that's, that's unreal, dude. It was, it, it was insane. And not only that, but it's a power breakfast. <laughs> that's, is that even a phrase? I've never I mean, even heard anybody say power breakfast. I was imagining like an animated picture, like no, yeah, Schoolhouse no, was, Rock like it was, animation. It was not drawn; it was a photograph of a dude performing cunnilingus, <laughs> and underneath, in big bold, like like Sunday morning cartoon lettering, it said "Power Breakfast" with an exclamation point. Power Breakfast? Why breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I mean, I guess you want to start your day right, but it was wild. And so for years, I was I had my antenna out looking for a shirt like that. I never asked the guy because I, I stopped having this job before I got up the nerve to ask him where he got it. Uh, but for years, I was like, I want a shirt like that. If I can find a power breakfast shirt, I will be so happy. And then fast forward like three years. And have you ever heard of the band The Vindictives? Heard They're, of they were a Chicago punk band, like a gutter punk kind of like, you know, screeching weasel fast three chord kind of thing from the late 80s, early 90s, maybe. Um, I wasn't a fan necessarily, but I knew of them. They were sort of playing music in the same scene as the bands I was playing music with. And uh, so I, they were around. And I remember the the guy who sang for the band, whose name, I feel like it was something like Joey Vindictive. He was one of those where he, his last name was the name of his band. Not his real last name, I'm sure, but <laughs> that's what he went by. But they, either them as a band or him, owned a record store in Chicago called The Dummy Room. And mm. so we, I was in The Dummy Room at this one point, probably three years after this job-ish, and I see on the rack shirts with fucking full-color picture screen-printed porno images on them. And they didn't say Power Breakfast or anything fucking awesome like that, but they were full-on porno images on shirts. And I was like, do I buy one? You know, like, I, I kind of want one. I don't think I'm going to wear this shirt, yeah. <laughs> but but I and I couldn't bring myself to buy one. It just seemed, in the moment, the little bit of morality that I have and the little bit of, like, feeling dirty about my, the, the things I battle, my chauvinistic nature versus my feminine nature that sort of battles it out. In that moment, the better angels won, and I did not buy one of those shirts, even though I really was, I wanted one in my closet. Uh, <laughs> actually reminds me of, so, <laughs> do, you, do you like the band Typo Negative? Are you a fan? Not really. Okay, are you familiar with them, though? Yeah. So, you know, the you remember the singer, it was a, this guy, Peter Steele, he was like 6'6", big dude, deep voice you know, muscles, Huge uh, penis. He, he played bass and he wore his, his strap for his bass was a fucking chain. Yeah. He's one of those, but, um, I definitely liked typo negative, uh, back in the day and saw them live. You know, I was enough of a fan to pay money to see them live, but they had a shirt. So they had a song off of the album, October rust called my girlfriend's girlfriend, which is of course a, a allusion to, you know, him being in a fucking three-way polyamorous relationship kind of a thing. And there was a shirt for this, this it made for this song with the front, you know, it said like typo negative. And then on the back, there was essentially kind of what you were picturing before, like a cartoon Im image, like an animated image of two women doing a 69. <laughs> and it was sort of like from above. So you'd see like the back of one and then kind of be behind her, the front of the other one in, in reverse position. And, this guy that we were friends with named Ed had this shirt and I don't remember how or what I struck up a trade or I just asked nicely or I, I can't remember if I even paid him. I don't remember how I ended up with the shirt, but I know that at some point he gave me this shirt and I fucking wore that shirt and constantly it, it got looks or it got like snide comments behind me or, and when I first met my wife, I remember that shirt was like, not a point of contention, but it was sort of like, yeah, that's not the best shirt. <laughs> like, it's kind of stupid. Kind of look like an asshole wearing that shirt. I'm like, no, but I like the band. And I'm like, yeah, really though. It's about the two women doing a 69 on my back. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a douchebag. Let's just be honest. 
And that shirt eventually got, you know, the neck and the sleeves cut out of it and turned into like a gym shirt. And then I don't know what happened to it after that. But yeah, that's that's that was my line. The animated '69. I couldn't I couldn't do the full color photograph photorealistic screen print on the front um but goddamn power breakfast guy was my hero (laughs) i loved that guy hopefully he's still out there doing it somewhere honestly he probably was a bad person let's (laughs) no no, seriously though yeah it's hard to imagine that a guy that wore that to work was like a good dude behind it all you never know and we'll never know no but anyway um so two things before I well yeah one thing before I get to how this job ended for me uh we've mentioned Dan before we're going to mention him again but one of my best friends and at that time freshly one of my best friends we were talking once and it was when I'd quit Ridge and I was starting to work at the warehouse and we were talking about money and like what we're going to do next and that kind of thing and you know I told him like you know, I'll just be happy if I can make enough money to pay rent, buy a couple CDs, just kind of, you know, like chill. Like, not, I don't really need more than that. And he was like, and again, it's, this is this is apropos because of, again, if you listen to back to episode one, me talking about how I'll never be satisfied unless I'm doing something I'm passionate about as my career, as my thing in life. Um, and this is very counter to that. I, at the age of 18, freshly leaving the house and kind of figuring out like how am I going to live my life, you know, as a fucking pathetic minimum wage worker. And I, I sort of had like settled in my mind. I'm like, well, as long as if I can just get a job that I don't hate and make enough money to pay rent and, you know, buy some food and, and buy some CDs every, every month and not really, I don't need anything more than that. And I remember Dan's like, you know, you're describing white trash, right? <laughs> He's like, that's, you're describing white trash. That's what that is. That's, you make enough money to like, con- you know, continue your daily routine <laughs> and your daily routine consists of almost nothing. That's white trash. And I remember being like, and again, at, at my age now, I'm like, that's not, that's not that poignant. But at the age of 18 from this guy who was, you know, in college and older than me and, and smarter than me, I remember thinking, oh man you're fucking right i was like oh no oh no i almost just settled for white trash <laughs> like, i came this close to being like yeah it's just be white trash just get me a porch i can sit on maybe i can sit on the toilet on the porch exactly yeah it was like it he kind of mind fucked me because all of a sudden i was like oh fuck you're right i'm not i can't settle for that and then here i am fucking however many years later still being like i can't settle for that <laughs> It's fucking pretty funny. But yeah, I have this vivid memory of him essentially saying, yeah, what you're describing, that's white trash, dude. Like, knock yourself out, but that's white trash. Let's not pretend it's not. Oh, um, so the way I knowledge. ended up not working there anymore, um, I started calling out sick. I, You know, you pull the trigger on it once, like week three, you're like... I really don't want to go today. My head hurts. I'm tired. I feel fucking nauseous. I'm probably not sick, but I feel bad, and I don't want to go into that environment feeling this way. So you're like, oh, I'm calling out. You call work, and you're like, Yeah, I'm not gonna be making it in today. I'm I'm, not, I'm under the weather. And then they're like, Okay, because the person on the other end of the line is like someone in an office who doesn't fucking know you and doesn't care. So like, yeah, okay, I'll let them know. So you do that once, and then you work three days, and then day four, you're like, I really, I'm feeling like that first day again, you know, so, (laughs) you know, I did it once, nothing happened, I'll do it again, right? And so I called out again. I can't remember how many it was, but it was, you know, three or four within two two weeks. Yeah, it was probably within two weeks that maybe the third or fourth time I called out. I called out, I like called and I was like, you know, gave my name and everything. And I said, yeah, I'm just not, I'm not going to make it in it. I'm not feeling well. And they're like, yeah, um, if you don't show up today, that's uh, going to be termination because you've called out this many times in this period of time. And so if you don't show up, that's going to be, we're basically going to call it. And I was like, yeah, it's probably better for both of us. Let's just call it. <laughs> and again, that same feeling I had with all the other previous jobs that I, that I quit other than Ridge, but the other ones 
where I was like, yeah, I'm never going to have to go back to that building again and do that job again and see those people again. The sense of relief just washed over me. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about bills or money or how I'm going to feed myself. I don't ever have to go back to that warehouse again and listen to those fucking machines again and cut my fingers again. I'm like, fuck, that's the best. That's one of the best feelings I could get at that age. And so that was the end of that job. And were you, because you weren't 100% clear on it, are you still living at your stepmom's house? I think I think at this point I was not. Um, I've decided that this time of my life, it's hazier than I thought it was. Yeah. Because in my mind, it's very c- clear. Like, I, I remember gearing up for turning 18, and I remember my stepmom coming and saying, you're turning 18 soon, you're going to have to be out of the house after that like as soon as that happens and me being like oh shit I don't know what to do and I know that I ended up living with my girlfriend and her mom sleeping on her couch in the living room thereafter and in my brain it's like I I turn 18 in May May 5th and then I'm out like right at that time and then I'm sleeping on the couch and then I felt like I was still working at Ridge of the theater during that time because I know I was still working at Ridge. I, I it's very hazy. There's mm. you know there's a chance that I went back to Ridge. I like went to the warehouse, did that job for 15 minutes, and then ended up going back to Ridge for another couple of months. That's definitely mm. a possibility of that. And in a minute, it'll become more clear why that is because this wasn't the only theater I worked at, and I worked at a couple of them all in a like. A condensed period of time so it's possible that in my memory just kind of mixed things and melded things made it easier you know save hard drive space kind of kind of um, compressed memories yeah so i don't know for sure i know that i have memories of like waking up and taking a shower and going to this warehouse job while i was living still with my stepmom so either my memory's fucked and i didn't move out right after i turned 18 and it was a little longer than that or, yeah, I don't know for sure. I wish I could go back in time and look, but I don't know. And I didn't start writing in journals and shit for another couple of years. So there's a big chunk of time where I have everything down to the day because of journals. I kept journals for a good chunk of years, but that hadn't started yet. So I don't know for sure. Um, but I know that I was not at that job very long and that I was out of the house by that summer or in that summer right after I turned 18 okay yeah um kind of funny not not this recent conversation I had with my dad but probably about three years ago maybe maybe more maybe like five years ago I was talking to my dad about this period in my life and talking about this job and he was convinced that I was making 15 bucks an hour at that place get the fuck out of here yeah he was he was just like yeah you're making like you're making pretty good money there right like 15 an hour and i'm like no I'm like what <laughs> and he's like that. yeah that's what i wasn't that what you were making i'm like no i was making like seven and change he's like no were you and i'm like yeah he's like oh you got worked not something like that it was that kind of attitude like oh man you got you got hosed man <laughs> He's like, I'm pretty sure other people were making 15 an hour. Aww. Maybe, maybe that was the thing. Maybe it was like you get hired at seven and change, then you join the union, and as a union member, it bumps you up to a higher pay wage. I, I don't know. That but I was sense. not making 15 an hour. 15 an hour to then would have felt like $100,000 a year. It would have felt like so much money to me. Like I was, I remember when I was making minimum wage, I remember doing the math. I'm like, oh, I'm making maybe eight or nine thousand dollars a year at this job which is so little especially if you're not in school like this is your job like it's crazy and even now to think about someone out there making twelve thousand dollars a year or whatever like the is considered you know the poverty line yeah i just i can't even i mean right now in california I think minimum wage right now is like twelve fifty if the company is less than fifty people and like thirteen if it's got more than fifty people, something like that. So I mean anybody out here who's making less than twelve fifty an hour is being paid under the table and probably doesn't have a social security card or something. Right. Um and so they can be taken advantage of. You know, what's minimum wage in Illinois right now? 
it's got to be close to 15. And see, you could get a job. I mean, you could live out in the suburbs in like a shittier suburb and probably find an apartment that's in the vicinity of like 800 or 900 bucks a month. Which, yeah, I mean, fairly it's close. barely affordable at that wage, but it's closer than I was at. I, I couldn't pay rent at 425 an hour, no matter how many fucking hours I worked. I was not going to pay for my own apartment. You know? Yeah. Like, when I started paying rent to Jacqueline's mom a couple months later, I think I was paying 300 a month or something like that. And I the job I had at the time, which we'll talk about, um, I was probably making like five and change. You know? Like, mm. I wasn't making a lot, but I could cover 300 a month but that was my only bill i didn't have anything else i mean my own food and shit like that right but yeah i don't know it's different all i know is that that job was not going to be it was not going to fix my life it was definitely going to be a struggle no matter what and so if i'm going to have a struggle i might as well have a job that doesn't make me want to beat my head against the wall Mm. yeah i didn't feel bad about that job moving along (laughs) did you ever get shit from your dad for Either no, I don't think he gave fired. a fuck. Okay. I think he probably was like, yeah, if it's not for you, it's not for you. Is there anything else to say about it? No, I mean, I've hit all the... Really, all my memories from that job are encapsulated in this episode. You know what's nice about this show? I feel almost like I'm purging these memories to a degree. Obviously, I'm not going to forget about Power Breakfast Guy. That guy is a fucking... In my Hall of Fame. <laughs> but... Like, in doing these episodes, I can kind of let go of these memories because they're out. Like, some of them are really, to me, they're very funny stories. They're funny anecdotes, and they deserve to be out in the world for something. You know, my feeling is as a as a podcast host, I'm hosting to myself as a listener because I love podcasts, and I love storytelling, and I, I enjoy hearing about people's experiences and funny and bad and whatever very big into, you know, honesty in terms of, you know, even if it's not flattering, like, you know, me shitting my pants at McDonald's. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I don't have, I'm not real precious about all that stuff, but I, I speak as, I'm basically talking to someone who's got my taste. And so these stories are things that I always thought like, oh, if I was a listener, these would make me laugh or I'd think they were interesting or funny. But as I'm telling them, I'm getting them out. It's like, I know I feel less compelled to like save them, you know? It's interesting. It's kind of good. Clearing out the hard drive. I am. The only problem is we're going to get into some stuff soon that, because as I said before, you know, I write screenplays and I I do do some writing and, you know, obviously you write what you know. So a lot of the stuff I write will pick and choose details out of my life for it. And of course, you know, as the story gets more interesting, wacky or funny, like Power Breakfast Guy would potentially end up in a screenplay I write, you know? For sure. I'm feeling a little bit of that sense of I don't want to like give away my secrets, you know, because obviously nobody listens to this fo- this podcast. As we're recording this right now, nobody's listening to this podcast. <laughs> no one gives a fuck. But in a perfect world, fast forward two years, we've got 110 episodes of this podcast out in the world, and maybe we've got a couple hundred listeners or whatever. Um, I... I have that irrational fear of like, oh, what if I say something awesome? Like I talk about Power Breakfast Guy and then five or six years from now, like a movie comes out where Power Breakfast Guy is featured. You know, obviously that's a ridiculous thing to worry about. Um, but it is something on my mind. Like, ooh, I have these things I know. I'm like, I have stuff written in a screenplay that, I, that, I've, that I'm working on actively that I'm going to tell you about in... 20 episodes from now <laughs> right? and I'm sort of like ooh do I should I leave that out because I don't want my my good stuff out in the world before I get to execute it in this narrative fashion but no fuck that you know like you know someone I, I respect a lot basically said that you know is that is that your only good idea because if it's your only good idea then yeah keep it close don't let anybody use it don't you know make a big deal if somebody steals it that's die for it but if that's not the only good idea you're going to have just let it go don't worry about it move on the next one could be just as good or better that's kind of my attitude in this situation like if i put some shit out there and it i don't get to use it myself because of whatever well i've got something better you know i've got more in me yeah i hear that but that's neither here nor there it's just something yeah. i thought about and again these stories are me purging the hard drive to a degree. Well, you know I love your storytelling and I just appreciate in, that. Just in general, you know, this is 
you know, a podcast. <laughs> this is a podcast about a thousand jobs that you've had over the course of 40, 40 few years. And, um, you know, there's so much story that's going to be unraveled as we go. And this is, you know, your story and some of my stuff will come out as we go. But I mean, I, I always think it's interesting to hear the stuff and I'm glad how it's articulated. Yeah. Um, hopefully someone else does out there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do want to say a couple things. First of all, um, I purchased a new mic this week that we're using in this episode. So hopefully uh, our yes. quality um, towards the uh, east sounds a little bit better. And the other thing I wanted to say is, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, is that for people that start to listen to this, this podcast is now on iTunes as well as CastBox. And what else are we on, Lou? Uh, I got a notice from Google Play that we were approved, but I don't have a fucking Google. I don't have a Android. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's actually there yet, but it's supposed to be. Okay. I, on, you know, from what I understand, it's like 99% of the market is iTunes, and then like 1% is everything else. Yeah. So iTunes for me was the big one, and that's the one that actually takes a minute to get approved for. So yeah, it was finally approved last night at like 10.30 or 11 at night. Yeah. So it's very exciting. And we're also waiting on Spotify for those of you who subscribe to Spotify, so... Uh, yeah, that, that's that's it for this episode. I hope everybody out there enjoyed themselves, and I hope everybody had a nice power breakfast this morning. <laughs> Get them ready for their day. And this is job number five, right? Um, is this episode six? Then yeah, yeah, it should be job number five, nineteen ninety four, PCA. Next week, I'm going to be talking about Cineplex Odeon Woodfield three and four. So. This is where things get a little... And and again, like I said, this is where things get squirrely because it's a string of theater jobs that I had. And the reason that I separate them all instead of just saying I worked at Cineplex Odeon, I will explain next episode. But yeah, the next one is another theater job, Cineplex Odeon, Woodfield 3 and 4. I look forward to telling you all about that. We'll see you guys next week at the movies. (laughs) Take care, guys. was that but not funny and not chocolate (laughs) and not tasty (laughs) definitely not tasty you could not shove them in your mouth and look around hope nobody saw